Thank you for tuning in into the Journey Podcast. May today's message help you in your own spiritual journey. Today we talk about a subject that many of us find very sensitive. We are on our series on Back to the Basics and as we talk about the government, and what our responsibilities are as children of God. Let me encourage you that as we look at the Word of God together this morning, that we would open our hearts. Let's open our hearts and allow the Word of God to renew us. Especially if our teaching today brings out certain feelings, certain thoughts, especially as we think about the government. No, it may bring out uh, some passion in you, uh, feelings in you, but I encourage you to allow God to be Lord even in those thoughts and feelings. This is not today about, uh, this is not a message on today's politics, but we're looking at the truth from God's Word. And the As we know, God's word is truth. And when we say truth, it is relevant to all people at all times, in all places. And uh, that's what we're going to look at, the principles of the word of God regarding the government. And the truth that we're going to look at is, let me say this, relevant as well in today's political setting. Just as it has been in the past, in other uh, places, other situations, and as it will be even in the future. Last year, 2016, especially with the rise of social media, both in the U.S. and here in the Philippines, uh, data as of June 2015 says that the Philippines has become the most social nation in the world. You know, uh, Facebook declared back in 2015 that uh, uh, there were 41 million active Facebook users between the age of 18 and 65. And just last week, I cited this article from the Inquirer that says that the Philippines has spent the most time on social media as of January 2017. That's early this year. That's just recent. So, you know, because of this, in the last two years, 2015, 2016, until now, we saw how more people have become more and more engaged politically and more aware of political issues. Would you would you agree that because of social media, you know, people before who did not concern themselves with government or with political issues, suddenly they see this in their timelines and know, they see how people react and we react as well. Uh, The head of public policy for Facebook in the Asia Pacific said uh, back in May 2016, we've had a very engaged population here in the Philippines. We've had 22 million unique users here in the Philippines involved in the conversations and more than 268 conversations around the elections in the Philippines. So this has been the most engaged elections on Facebook 
in the Asia Pacific. So social media has really changed how we interact with each other and with the government. Maribel Buenaobra, uh, she's a deputy country representative in the Philippines of the Asia Foundation, which is a non-profit international organization committed to developing life across uh, Asia. She wrote an article, and I think the article that she wrote, uh, quote, a part of it, nails what happened to us in this last two years. She wrote, Social media has created an obsessive focus on one of two or two issues. Magnify candidates' swords and pores. Poke fun at their looks or voices. And, you know, you can search and look at the internet for memes, funny memes even. You know, social media has amplified a misstep, an insensitive remark, expose a prejudice or bias and all for the for all the world to see and hear in real time without delay after may 2016 she says elections in the philippines has never been the same again as the campaigns have shown social media without editorial restraint has thrown decency out the window it has divided families Unfriended friends, blocked would be friends, and unleashed rabid supporters that made the walk to them look like little more than a Halloween spectacle. And I'm sure even our friends who are based in the US, voters in the US, can well relate as well. Even though they may have a different political setting in the US. But we have become more and more engaged with the government. So as believers immersed and as part of this kind of setting in our country right now, with so many things happening around, with so many important decisions being made by the leaders of our government, the question is, how are we supposed to respond as followers of Christ to all of this? What does God say in His Word about our attitude, our actions, or what our hearts must be as we encounter all these things around us regarding the government? And that's what we're going to try to look at this morning. Our articles of faith state the following on the civil government. We believe the civil government is of divine appointment for the interests and good order of human society. That magistrates are to be prayed for, conscientiously honored and obeyed, except only in things opposed to the will of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only Lord of the conscience and the coming Prince of the Kings of the earth. The main text we're going to look at is found in Romans chapter 13. And I encourage you to open your Bibles there and I'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 7. Let me read. It says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. 
The authorities that exist have been established by God. Verse 2, Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes for the authorities or God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Three things that we're going to look at this morning from that passage and other passages in the Bible relating to, to the government. Number one, the key word that uh, we focus on is the word submit. The word submit. Verse 1 of Romans chapter 13, it says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 13, Peter encourages uh, the, pe the people that he's writing to, to submit themselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as to the to the supreme authority in verse 14 or to governors. You see, the word used here in Romans is the word hupotasso, which is a military term. It's a compound word meaning to line up or arrange under a commander. When I was in high school, I was uh, I became uh, a trainee. Uh, we used to have candidate course uh, for like military training during high school. Right now, we're not doing that anymore, but uh, it's like military training in high school and, you know, we were commanded to line up as a platoon. Uh, we were uh, taught how to handle uh, the rifles. Uh, and uh, at the end of it all, after one year training, uh, as fortunate as I was back then, I became the core commander of our batch. So I had this opportunity to, to command after a year of you know, being under command. But it's a command. Basically, that's what this word is. When, when Paul says submit, okay, it was a military term used to instruct soldiers to fall in line under the officer in charge. It's the form of a command. It's a, it's a clear implication for obedience. And in First Peter, Peter qualifies the extent of this submission by saying to ordinance of man. Or in, his, in the verse that I read, uh, it says every human institution. So, uh, in our text, he is dealing here with the government. 
But Peter intended every institution that God has created and placed over man. So every institution, even the family, is an institution that was set. So the parents, as children, the parents are our authorities. Even in the schools, as students, the teachers, the professors, they are instituted authorities. Not just the government, but even the other institutions. Now, it's very interesting that the Apostle Paul issues this command to believers. Because during that time, if you were aware, the leader was a very brutal leader. They were uh, led uh, by a, a leader that led in tyranny. He oppressed it was under the leadership of Emperor Nero. BBC, BBC history uh, writes about the Emperor Nero. He's, they say he is remembered as an ineffectual, neglectful, and brutal leader. He is probably one of the most unfit rulers that ever ruled in the world. And yet we see Paul and Peter encouraging believers to submit to this type of leader. Why? Let us try to understand. First, one reason is because all authority is God-ordained. All authority is God-ordained. In verse 1 it says, Romans 13, There is no authority except that which God has established. That's one thing we need to understand. No matter what the circumstances are uh, of a leader being put in power, whether that's through a rebellion, uh, whether that candidate cheated, or whatever the circumstance is, we must remember that no leader is put in place unless God ordains or allows that leader to be in that place. That is the, the foundation of all of this. Because the greater authority is God and He will not allow any position to be filled without Him allowing it in this world. And, and yes, there may be a time, there may be a season like that what happened in, in the season of uh, Israel, when God allowed uh, believers to be persecuted, to be oppressed by the leader. But we must remember the position is God ordained. Every higher power has been ordained. Another reason is those in authority are servants of God. They're servants of God. Romans 13 verse 4 and verse 6 says, For he is God's servant. The authorities are God's servants. Now what does that imply? If we are part of, we are in government service, the calling, the challenge is for us to serve not just people, but it's to serve God. Because that's how God looks at it. We're God's servants. That's what he's trying to tell Paul. 
in this, in this passage. We are God's servant. We're not just serving people or trying to please ourselves, but we are serving people. You know, when I look at this verse, again, uh, you know, I have this idea that, you know, when we talk about God's servant, we talk about people who minister you know, in the church. But you know what? God looks at government officials, every instituted authority as servants, His servants as well. Isn't that interesting? It's not limited to people or to His children. Even though they may be unbelievers and, and they may be uh, not following God 100%, the Bible says that they are considered servants of God in that area. And I know this is hard to grasp, but that's what the Word says. And again, we look at this passage and we look at the context. Nero was the leader during that time. So Nero was a servant of God? He was. And God had a purpose why He allowed for, for Nero to, to rule during that time. So we must look at our leaders today and have this point of view. They are God's servant. The third reason is those in authority are ordained by God to punish, to punish wrongdoers. In verse 3 to 5 of Romans chapter 13, it says, For rulers... Do you have that in your Bible? I don't have it there, but if you read with me, it says, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. They want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath. Do you hear that term? That sounds harsh or cruel. Agent of wrath. That I hope that really makes us scared. Because that's the objective. An agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrong doer. Every higher power has been ordained to rule according to the word of God. Now, do all leaders rule according to the word of God? No. But understanding that leaders are ordained by God, we can also look at leaders and even though they may be evil, they may not be following God, we must also understand that because God ordained them, it is God who will judge each power according to the way they bear rule. You see, there is a line as to how far we are to make ourselves subjected to governmental laws. Yes, the Bible says submit. Submit to, to every authority, but there is a line that is being drawn. And what's that line? We should never obey any laws that oppose the laws. So if our government or if the government commands 
someone to commit murder or to hurt children or to curse the name of Christ, then we have permission from the Almighty God to rise up and rebel and to speak in one accord with Peter. I must obey God rather than man. But if you're going to look at the book of Acts, how, how the apostles responded, especially in Acts chapter 4, you will see that when they went against, or when they were being encouraged to go against the laws of God, you know what they did? And that's what we're going to look at in number two. In number two, this is what they did. They prayed. They prayed. They interceded. Yes, the government, some governments may request for us uh, to violate the scripture, but we are still called to submit. But the challenge is uh, for them to follow the word of God as well. But if they don't, this stays. Whether they follow the word of God or not, number two says we pray and intercede. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 2, let's read this aloud together. Ready? Begin. I urge them, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and holiness. You know, if we did this, if we prayed more and more and interceded for our leaders, there would be less negative comments by us concerning them, right? Why? Because if we pray, if we, we really intercede for them, this gives us more godly concern for them. More godly love for them. And instead of reacting negatively to what we see in social media, and, you know, it's like we're stoking the fire that was already uh, burning in social media, or even in our own personal discussions with friends, even with family. When we pray, when we intercede for them, it lessens the negative, the negative feelings that we have. As Christians, we're not called to hunt down our leaders and search for their faults and make fun of their vocabularies. As we have mentioned, you know, we look at the government, we see their imperfections, and you know, we really act a certain way. Now, if you are children of your parents, you see their imperfections. You see uh, even their sins. How do you respond to them? I'm sure it would be different as, uh, from what, from how you respond to people in the government. Although parents, like I said, they are also instituted authorities and, uh, over us by God. So the, we can. You know, we can disagree with, with our leaders, but the disagreement must be fueled still by love. We are not called to drag up every wrong deed in a man's past and shame him by putting it on display. We should not act like little children 
and call our leaders names. Now we should be calling out to God on their behalf instead. So that's the challenge for us. We must understand, you know, the leaders, being a leader isn't easy. They're making important decisions that can impact our world. And you know what they need? They need wisdom. Whether they are believers or unbelievers, they need wisdom. So let us, as believers, pray for our leaders, pray for our mayors, pray for our senators, for our president, and when our leaders make decisions that we are not proud of, let us believe in the truth of the Word of God in Proverbs 21.1. What's, what's uh, in Proverbs 21.1? It says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Can we read that aloud? The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Let's say it again. The king's heart is in the hands of the Lord like the rivers of water he turns it wherever he wishes. You know, sometimes we look at leaders and we just look what's look at what's happening around. We forgot, we forget the God factor. And the God factor is this. God is sovereign and he is the ultimate authority. And I think understanding that and being able to practice uh, our right, our, our, our uh, ability to pray for our leaders can lessen our criticism, can lessen uh, the negative thoughts and feelings that we may have. You see, God can change any man's heart, even a king or a president. Through the power of prayer, we as believers can exert influence over our government. Do you believe that? We can do more by praying for a government than going out in the streets and, you know, raising placards and doing something else. It doesn't mean that's wrong. That's our right as well. But in order of priority and effectivity, prayer is the most important most effective. The third thing is to pay. Pay. That's the word. So submit, pray and intercede. Third is pay. Romans 13 verse 6 to 7. And I know if you're a businessman here, this may hurt. Verse 6 7 says, this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, pay revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And you know, in those days, would you, would you think that uh, the most righteous government were the Roman government. Was the Roman government? Do you think they're not corrupt? Do you think they don't use taxes on their own personal selfish uh, ambitions? Well, we are a depraved, 
depraved generation. Humans are depraved. And I'm sure even in the Roman government, as brutal as they were, even though you know they, they may they may have uh, expanded and grown their, their uh, leadership well, there was corruption in the government. And sometimes we don't like this idea of paying the government. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my money to waste, we say. They're corrupt. They're just going to eat it up or use it somewhere else. Instead of our country benefiting, you know, they'll just get rich. Maybe we have those thoughts in our minds. But even during the time of Jesus, the time of the apostles, that's what's happening already. And in Matthew 17, we see Jesus and the disciple, they pay taxes. In Matthew 22, verse 21, Jesus thought that we should do the same. Now we don't only pay taxes, we pay our leaders in the verse in verse 7. We also pay our leaders honor and respect. Honor and respect. So it's not just monetary. We give honor to whom honor is due, the Bible says. Now as we look at all these things, we must understand the background of Romans chapter 13. You know, Romans 13 is almost right at the end of the book of Romans or the letter to the Romans. But the, in, a, in a chapter prior to Romans 13 is Romans chapter 12. And you know what? Romans chapter 12 discusses our relationship with God, with our fellow believers and those outside of the body of Christ. And if we're going to sum it up, Romans chapter 12 uh, gives us a beautiful background for Romans 13. And we, uh, what do we see in Romans 12? First, we are encouraged to completely surrender ourselves to God for His service. So for us to be able to do Romans 13 and submit ourselves to the government, first of all, we need to first submit ourselves to God completely. We find this in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. But another thing that lays the foundation for our uh, submission to the government is sincere love to the body of Christ without respecter of persons. You know, I have seen why for myself in the last two years. You know, friends that I had in, in social media, friends in real life, you know, uh, like what I, I read a while ago about the, the lady who wrote an article, you know, there were some friends who unfriended me. Maybe you had friends you unfriended or who unfriended you. Maybe there are people that you used to talk to uh, in your workplace and now you know, you're just far away from them. In your own families, you know, during reunions, birthdays, you know, when, when people start talking about politics, you just go change the topic. 
Why? Because sometimes it just leads to a heated argument. And sometimes, even in our church, that happens. I think social media has done a lot of things. Because we see how people react and we are we react as well. But we are encouraging Romans 12, the foundation. Sincerely love the body of Christ. So maybe some of you, the application for today's message would be to go to a brother or to a sister. maybe make things right with them because you know the relationship has gone sour or maybe a family member because of politics maybe that's the application but the Bible in Romans 12 gives us that foundation surrender to God loving our neighbors as in or the body of Christ sincerely and number three love your enemies so sometimes you just can't change how people think. You totally disagree with them, and sometimes we feel that they're like our enemy. But Romans chapter 12 gives us this foundation: love your enemy and overcome evil with good. Sometimes you post something in your social media and they react this way. Or you say something and they would respond negatively. You know, Paul is inspiring us to be concerned with our relationship with the government. But the foundation is our relationship with the people around us and with God. That's the foundation. Let our knowledge of truth, you know, sometimes we, we say, you know, I believe this song so much that I find it as truth. And we have differences in our versions of truth, especially what we read in social media. There's fake news. There's, there are a lot of things around. But whatever we believe to be right, especially in this area of, of dealing with the government, let our, our knowledge of our truth be seasoned and balanced with grace. Let us not focus too much on being dogmatic and making sure that I'm right, you're wrong, and we cut people down. We focus too much on being right. You know, if they're not there, love them. Pray for them. And let God, His Holy Spirit, change their heart. And let's stop playing the Holy Spirit in their lives. You know, we're bringing conviction by we even post verses, we even quote certain things. But what we're really doing is we're playing the Holy Spirit, trying to convince them to change their position or their mindset on things. And this does not only apply in political things, but even in doctrine, even in things that we believe to be right. You see, the same grace we experience from God, we apply that same grace to all people, in all places, at all times. Surrender ourselves to God, 
love the body of Christ and love our enemies. A hymn writer, Thomas Chisholm, expressed it this way. And this is our prayer. My prayer for us this morning. Oh, to be like thee, full of compassion, loving, forgiving, tender, and kind, helping the helpless, cheering the fainting, seeking the wandering sinner to find. Oh, to be like thee, oh, be like thee. Blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art, come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp thy own image deep on my heart. I request everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. But in this moment of silence, maybe you have heard God this morning and He has been speaking aloud to you personally. Maybe it's about, first of all, how we respond to people around us. The government, to people who disagree with you, and it, it just opened up your heart and made you realize this morning through, through God's word that, you know, I haven't really completely surrendered everything, even some of my thoughts to God. That's why I respond negatively. Maybe this morning you can take this moment and just say, Lord, for the things that I am so passionate about that lead me to, to, to feel certain emotions, negative emotions about other people, about even, even about people, for people that are close to me. Forgive me, Lord, and I surrender that part of my life and I, I trust that you are sovereign. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. Can I pray for you? Anyone like that? Thank you, my brother. Anyone else? Lord, I want to surrender every thought, every emotion that I have. Help me to be gracious in the way I deal with people, in the way that I deal with our government.
Thank you. Maybe you're here and as I've said, the foundation is a complete surrender to God. Maybe you have not completely surrendered your life to God. You know, you may be attending church, but it's not about church or religion. It's about having a personal relationship with God through Jesus. And maybe you have you don't have that personal relationship with God yet. And this morning you just realized, you know, I'm a sinner and this morning, I'm opening my heart and I want to receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Can you please pray for me? Today, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Anyone like that here? Pastor, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to surrender my, my whole life to Him. That He would become my Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that despite all the imperfections in this world, even the imperfections of the people that we look up to, Lord, you comfort us with the truth that you are sovereign. You are the one in control. You are the ultimate authority, the judge. That someday all the injustices, all the things that not seem to be fair in this world, Lord, you will put them all in balance. And Lord, this is our comfort. So today, Lord, I pray for those who are committing themselves, Lord, to uh, working in that part of their life, Lord, in how they respond to people negatively, to the government negatively. Lord, that as they submit themselves to you in that area of their life, Lord, you would allow them to, to see relationships restored, to experience more harmony, Lord, in the relationships that were destroyed because of, of the passionate things that we believe in or the disagreements. Lord, we also pray uh, that you would Teach us to be more prayerful for our government, for our authorities, Lord, for our church leaders, for our parents, for, for those above us, Father. For we believe in Proverbs 21, 1, that Lord, you hold the heart of man in your hands. So help us to not strive but to, to trust you and rest in your sovereignty and, and presence. Lord, we pray for those who are, uh, in, who, are who need you as their Lord and Savior. But, uh, as the word is planted in their hearts today, you will continue to 